episode 37. And we're back. I'm excited. I'm excited too. Uh, I'm Tyler. I'm Danny. We're on episode 37 of the Fried Squirms. And this is kind of an interesting one because by the time you hear this, you'll have already heard episode 36 and a half, which we're recording later. Yeah, which is going to be kind of cool. So we're covering the first half of the old 1990s miniseries Stephen King's It Yeah. this week. But you will have, hopefully, if you listen to us, just heard us talk about the brand new movie release It as well and heard what we think about that. And if you want to hear that, go back and listen to it if you haven't yet. Yeah. So this whole week is dedicated to It in its old glory and hopefully for its new glory. We're going to reach out and touch it. Yeah, we are. stroke it. We're going to do everything we can to it. This is, I think, our first time covering a Stephen King adaptation as well. Yeah, I mean, I was trying to think, we were both trying to think about it just a a few minutes ago, and I can't think of any others that we did. I'm sure we've mentioned probably some of the the books that got turned into movies, but I don't think we've ever covered him properly. So this was a perfect time for us to kind of review the old version and the new version as well. Yeah, I'm really hoping the new version's good. It looks like it's going to be good. By now, you'll know if I thought it was good. (laughs) I don't know if it's good yet. I love talking about the fact we're doing something in the future that's going to go up before this. It's pretty cool. So we'll we'll have to keep our our hopes within reason, you know. But I'm I'm anticipating it, and I'm looking forward to it. It's going to be fun. Uh, This was a 1990 miniseries. We decided to just do the first half for this because the new movie is just the losers club section which i'm happy they're doing it in that format rather than cutting back and forth so when we're covering this the miniseries cut back and forth so we have to talk about the adults some too which is fine yeah i mean it's fine it's interspersed so we can't help but mention but we, them. we tried to sort of line it up and eventually when they release the movie part of the grown-ups then we'll cover the last half of this yeah so we'll time it and sync it just in accordance we'll do this. to the, well, the what we're doing right now we'll do again yeah, and it makes sense. Like, say, why do we want to cover the whole thing when the new ones are only going to cover the first half? Yeah, exactly. Why? I don't want to watch this. like three hours, dude. Four hours. Jesus. <laughs> it's like some of our early episodes, we did that, and that was just on an hour and a half, maybe two hour long films. Yeah. yeah I mean, yeah. I, li- I mean, I like long movies sometimes, but I don't want to watch three hours straight of a 1990 miniseries. Oh, no. You know what? Actually, let's stop for a second before we go into the guts and bolts of it. And just talk about, first, we're sorry that we didn't bring you an episode last week. Oh, that's probably a good idea to talk about a little bit. Our bad. We tried an experiment. It didn't work. We are going to redo the episode after we're done with it that we were going to try to bring you. But, nope, shit got zany. You're right. I think you surmised it perfectly. (laughs) It was, we got a little bit more fried than squirmed, so... Yeah, we're going to conclude with that that particular experiment. We and have some ideas for that one. I don't know if it's going to come through in the final cut. I'm sorry for the fan sound, but we're having to be all shut up right now because oh, our gosh. goddamn state is on fire. I do want to mention that real quick just because we are kind of a voice that gets out to some corners of the globe as based on our hits. Some people out there listen to us from time to time. Which is cool. I, I like it. <laughs> um and it's just not a situation that's getting much news. No, but it's this whole state for the most part is on fire. But I, I mean, I mean, I, I saw there was breaking news, and, and this isn't to downplay the tragedies that are happening elsewhere. Like 
Jesus, there's huge, oh, no huge doubt, populations yeah. that are being affected by like. Yeah, I mean, we have some of our feet. listeners down in Houston that are struggling right now, and we're hoping you know for the best. Yeah, and that's just massive amounts of people, and I don't want to take away at all from that. But I mean, there's huge uproar about like I think like seven thousand acres being on fire in California right now. Yeah, I think we're getting close to like seven hundred thousand acres up here. It's unbelievable. In town here today. It's hazardous weather quality. When I woke up this morning, visibility was under a mile. It's fucked up. Well, I mentioned to you that I had to close my bedroom window because I woke up and it smelled like a fucking forest fire. You just walk out into the foyer out here and it smells like a campfire. Yeah, exactly. So, you know, that's like I said, it's not to minimize anybody else's circumstances all over the world. But but this uh, just isn't getting much attention. Yeah. Our voice does get out there a little bit. So, we're just um, trying to keep everybody up to date. Even if you just want to think about it, I'm not usually one for like thoughts and prayers, but honestly, that's, that's more than what we're getting right now. So <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, if, if you know some good uh, people who can get us some rain, send them our way. Just send it our way. That's all we want is some rain. Because yeah. I mean, the fires are so big that at this point, there's no shot. You can send every firefighter in the nation up here, and it's not going to end it overnight. No we're way. Still not probably, even close, man. We're still probably going to be burning until snow hits now. It's easy, just that big. easy from this point. Yeah, no doubt. So we're we're another what six six to eight weeks, maybe if we're lucky. But anywho, yeah, we've what, got some. What we do want help for is just to try to avoid more people's houses being lost, yeah, more lives sad, being man. lost. There's has been firefighters' lives lost, unfortunately, and you know just animals and livestock and stuff. We're just trying to contain as best we can and try not to displace people. But yeah, it's evacuations are happening. It's pretty bad. Yeah. But with that, let's go into the Guts and Bolts. Guts and Bolts. Guts and Bolts. Guts and Bolts. Yeah, we all up in them Guts and Bolts. Number 37. Number 37, IT miniseries, first half. We already mentioned 1990. Yes. Uh, Stephen King, first time. That's huge. People, you know who the fuck Stephen King is right now. I would hope most people listening would know who he is. If you listen to this, you know who Stephen King is. If you don't listen to this, you probably still know who Stephen King is. Yeah, that's a big name throughout several one of the generations. Best-selling authors ever now at this point. Arguably, I mean, yeah. With how much shit he's done and how many copies of however umpteen million stories he's fucking done have probably sold. <laughs> fucking, he's done so much shit that he could sell like ten copies of everything and be on the all-time bestseller list. Yeah, I mean, that's when, it. when you like, look he at his catalog. Sell to his fucking family, and that's it. It's ridiculous. By the way, his son's actually also a really talented horror writer. I've read a couple of his things. It's really good. That's cool, man. That's uh, good to see that that apple didn't fall far from the tree. But I'm excited that we are covering it for some sentimental reasons, because this mini-series version of it came out on my ninth birthday. Oh, that's neat. Yeah, so I remember staying up and watching both halves of the film, and... You know, brings back memories, and it also lets me know how much my young mind forgot about this film. You know, so it's, it's an interesting way of revisiting it. So we said Stephen King already. You know who Stephen King is. We'll talk about him more in a little bit. Yeah. God, who else do we have? In I would this? maybe we just kind of breeze through, Let's like I said, our directors this. and all these. So our director for the film is Tommy Lee Wallace. I'll name three projects, and then we can move on from him. But he worked on Halloween Part 3. Oh, my God. When I saw that, I busted up laughing. Yeah. We so need to worked. do Halloween 3 at some point. Yeah, because it's... Because um, <laughs> it's insane. That's exactly a good way of putting it. That's the one with the fucking crazy masks and witches and shit. And yeah, not Michael it Myers. doesn't have much at all to do with 
the whole storyline. No, it's fucking insane. It's terrible, but it's great. Yeah, sometimes you need those films in the franchise. Yeah, Season of the Witch. He also did Fright Night Part 2. Which, we did see part two. Which is the original version because even yeah. the remakes got a, a second one, believe it or not. Oh, I didn't know that either. Yeah. Here's one that we did cover. It's the second version of it. We did John Carpenter's Vampires. He did Vampires Los Muertos. That's right. I saw that too and I laughed really hard at that. So basically this is the best thing he's ever done. That's what I'm seeing in this. No, I mean, look, this is a high no mark. Offense, People yes. love this movie. So it's so memorable. It spans generations now. And I mean, he edited the original Halloween. It's pretty awesome. So that's cool. Yeah, like he the worked guy on has several talent. things with John Carpenter. It's just some of this shit that he did. Anyway, <laughs> sometimes you know the buck gets passed on, and then maybe he picked the buck up. You know. So that's our director, Tommy Lee Wallace. He's still around. Our writers, we did mention Stephen King. Uh, the film is adapted from the novel that came out, I believe, was it 1985 or 86, somewhere around that time period? Oh, wait, I want to mention one other thing, because I know you like this movie. Mm -hmm. I like this movie. People out there that listen to this like this movie. Back to Tommy Lee Wallace really quick. Yeah, no, go, I'm sorry. Title song, Big Trouble in Little China. He performed. Yeah? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's really cool. Uh, as part of the band, the Coupe de Villes, alongside Carpenter himself and Nick Castle. Nice. The figure. Yeah. That's pretty awesome, man. I believe he was also married. If He might still be married to her. I'm not sure. But um, it was a lady who worked on a lot of projects in John Carpenter films as well. I can't remember her name right off the top of my head. But he's heavily involved, like I said, with Carpenter projects. So we can't help but mention Stephen King, part of the writers. Tommy Lee Wallace helped with writing. And Lawrence D. Cohen. Cohen worked on the 76 and the 2013 Carrie films. He was a writer for both. I liked them both. I didn't see the remake. I saw it. It wasn't bad. It wasn't the original, but it wasn't bad. I liked it. I'd kind of want to like to watch them both back to back, but just because be I really, I really like Carrie. I remember reading it too. And yeah, the originals, mm -hmm. badass. It's classic. The other project that I wrote down that he worked on was the Tommy Knockers TV series. So that's another Stephen King. I never did see the Tommy. No, I think that one came out during a time period I was too young to remember it. Cinematographer for this film is Richard Letterman. He worked on the film Rad. I don't know if you've ever seen that. No, I didn't. Rad is a fucking awesome movie. It's a BMX movie. came out in the 80s. Highly recommend it for nostalgic reasons. He worked on a film with Charlie Sheen I've never seen. It's called Cadence and another film called Ticket to Heaven. Editors for this film are David Blangstead. He worked on The Waltons, Eight is Enough, and T.J. Hooker TV series. Uh -huh. Robert F. Uh, Chagru. He worked on Star Trek the third one, that's the search for Spock. Spock. Yeah, the search for Spock. <laughs> he worked on search Street Fighter Jack. and a Clint Eastwood film, Two Mules for Sister Sarah. I love Two Mules for Sister Sarah. So he worked on both of those. Oh, my God. Growing up, I remember seeing that on TV when I was like seven, six or seven. And I saw one of the most badass things I had ever seen in my life at that point, And it had such an impact. And I'm like, that's fucking tough. That's what a fucking man is. And Clint Eastwood gets fucking shot in the shoulder by a bow and arrow. And it goes in deep enough, he can't fucking pull it out. Ooh, yeah. And so, God, if I remember right, he has to shove it through. And so he fucking splashes whiskey over it and lights the end on fire and pulls it through. Ooh. I can't remember if he lights the end on fire or if he just pulls it through or if there was some other movie that did He's the same thing. And let, it was still badass, just having to fucking push it through and all... Oh, mm. <laughs> Oh, so fucking badass. Love Two Mules for Sister Sarah. 
and the theme for Sister Sarah is reused in Django Unchained. That's interesting because there are some people who worked on that project. We'll uh, mention here in just a little which bit. Which I get down to that soundtrack at least once a month, and That's I watch awesome. that movie at least three times a year. So it's a great film. Yeah. The music? Sorry, I just no, added, okay. I had to go deep on that one. I was like, oh, that motherfucker worked on that. It's pretty I love cool, that man. Movie. <laughs> this is part of the uh, the films that I do enjoy too, because you find out all these really cool connections and neat little factoids that not a lot of people really look into it per se, but it's neat to bring up. You never know what cool story you'll find. Mm -hmm. The music for this, and this is where I was mentioning, I can't believe we're about to mention these films and these girls. Richard Bellis did the music for this film. He helped Mm -hmm. compose it. He worked on a lot of Mary-Kate and Ashley Olsen movies, like DVD, you know, like straight to what have you. And I started looking, I was like, oh man, that is fucking weird. (laughs) Like, he worked on a shitload of those films, the music for All right. So... And did the music for this? And I like the music for this. Music's really good. I like the music in this. The tone and everything fits, which is funny because we were watching, not you and I, but my brother-in-law Jeff and my sister Ashley, we were watching Silver Bullet, and some of the music in that's really, really good, but then some of it's a little out of place. And I was telling them, I was like, this can really throw a film off if it wasn't for, you know, a strong performance by the cast and good writing. It'd be a really shitty film if not. Anyhow, the producers for this film are Ellen S. Epstein, or excuse me, Epstein and Jim Green. Production companies are Green Epstein Productions, Konigsberg and Sinitsky Company, Lorimar Television and Warner Brothers Television. Distributors is ABC, was it American Broadcasting. One, two, three. Yeah, 1990 for the original airing of the USA televised miniseries we had mentioned. And Warner Home Video helped distribute this film, you know, VHS, DVD, etc. Special effects are Fantasy II Films effects. They help with the special visual effects. I wanted to bring them up because they worked on so many films that you and I have mentioned, including a lot of horror films. And uh, some of them I'm just going to mention real briefly because, I mean, it's a, a laundry list, mm-hmm. arm's length. But uh, just here in the 90s alone, they worked on Lord of Illusions, Vampire in Brooklyn, the Crow, City love of Angels. Empire, Brooklyn. I love all the crows. Buried Alive, too. I like to True Lies. I'm just looking at some of their films in the 90s. Boxing Helena. That's oh, a really so fucked up bad. film. Oh, they're so terrible, but I love it still. Anyway. So, no, they've got some really cool films they worked on. I mean, it's uh, Hellboy Underworld, The Punisher, Resident Evil. So this effects companies have worked on some really large projects and they did a great job considering 1990 the effects the visual effects were pretty decent in this yeah no they look cool especially I... for a tv series yeah original release i told you this is on my ninth birthday so november 18th 1990 and then the second part came out on november 20th 1990 taglines you know i can't have a film without a tagline the one i wrote down for this is the master of horror unleashes everything you are ever afraid of Nice. This is the big thing. We can get a little bit more into how we felt they did here in yeah, a little bit. No doubt. <laughs> but I think what most people, if you don't know this is Stephen King, and you don't know it as simply being like the scary clown movie, then you'll probably be drawn to it because it's a Tim Curry flick. Oh my gosh. Yeah, as far as our cast, that's the biggest name. I think the biggest draw in this That's film. the biggest draw. Everyone else is kind of a letdown after Tim Curry, unfortunately. Considering their status in film and television, yeah, I highly I mean, look, agree. and that's not to say that they did a bad job. We'll talk a little bit more about that. <laughs> yeah, we'll talk about that in our next <laughs> section. Like, damn it. 
But, I mean, I love Tim Curry. Everybody I know will profess to loving Tim Curry across the board. Yeah, I would totally agree. And so, if you haven't seen this movie, then just remember that you can watch it for his performance, and it's 100% worth it for his performance alone. He is so good in this. So good as Pennywise. Just incredible. Uh, Skarsgård has a lot to live up to. I was just about to mention that, you took the words out of my mouth, because it's one of those performances, man. It's, it's going to be a hard one to top. I hope that he doesn't try to outdo it. Just be the character. Just, Mm -hmm. you know. But, I mean, I guess otherwise, cast-wise, Seth Green. Yeah, Seth Green is in this. You want to talk about, they've got it broken down on, like, the Losers Club we can can hit. Let's do that real quick. We'll just name off some names, and then we'll talk about them a little bit more. Yeah, you did mention Seth Green. He plays, um, is it Richie? Yeah, Richie Tozier. Yeah, so he plays that. And when I think of Seth Green, there's a few films I think of. I automatically think of the first thing I saw him in, which would have been... Can't Hardly Wait. Can't Hardly Wait's such a good film. Like, this is one of those films I grew up with, being a teenager when it came out. Mm-hmm. Can't help but love that film. He worked on some projects. I started thinking, I was like, hold on, he was in Idle Hands. That would have been one I remembered he worked oh, on. Fucking Idle Hands. is. I, I love that movie. Fucking Mighty Joe Bong. Yeah. <laughs> that film is so good. He worked on the Austin Powers films that came oh, out course, yeah. during that time period. Scott Evil. Yeah. <laughs> There was a film he did with uh, Macaulay Culkin in the 2000s called Party Monster. I never did watch that, but I heard that it was really good. It's really good, because I talked about that party scene, I think, in the 80s. Really good, and it's based off of, I think, some of Michael Alex, some of his memoirs and whatnot. But Mm -hmm. anyhow, if you want to see a dragged-out Seth Green, that's a good film to watch. But uh, he's been in a lot of comedies without a paddle, and, you know, let's go on and on. Who doesn't a dragged-out Seth Green, really, when it comes down to it? Yeah, I mean, he's even worked on some stuff on, um, you know, Fox and with animated shows and Adult Swim. I mean, he's done all kinds of cool projects. Fucking Family Guy. Yeah, I mean, hello. I mean... (laughs) Dude, you can go on. People know, I mean, That's I guess Tim Curry, Please. Seth Green. Those are the two draws, I guess. I think those are probably the biggest draws. Maybe not for Seth Green at that time period, but not at definitely the time now. Period, but now. Definitely well, now. Well, maybe not now. Uh, maybe I, a few years ago. Yeah, maybe 10 years ago. <laughs> I don't know. But no, not I still say, like not Seth Green. Not to say he's dropped off. He's a funny guy. That's no, for sure. no, totally true. Well, let's say, so he was young Richie. Yeah, he we was. We do have old Richie. Was Harry Anderson. Anderson. I think of him from Night Court exclusively. Uh, yeah, same here. As the judge. I can't remember the and judge's I didn't even name. watch much Night Court, but that's immediately what I think of. I just too. remember it being on USA a lot in the 90s. <laughs> that's what I remember from it. Not that it's a bad show. It's actually really funny. Here's a name I want to mention. Jonathan Brandis. He plays the young Bill Denbro, kid with the stuttering. So when oh. I think of Jonathan Brandis, right, he was... A pretty famous child actor. You know, I saw him in this. This is really sad because I was like, I remember seeing him in things when I was growing up and really remembering him as being good and everything. He's a really solid actor. And so I was like, what happened? And I looked it up. Yeah, and it's sad, man, what happened. He felt like his career dropped off and unfortunately committed suicide at the age of 27. Yeah, his career had hit kind of a, a halt and he wasn't really getting the projects he used to get and... You know, unfortunately, he took his own life. When I think of the young Jonathan Brandis, he was in films like The Never-Ending Story 2. Yeah. I mean, that's a huge film, man. Uh, he was in Ladybugs with fucking Rodney Dangerfield. Uh, that's the film where he had to dress up as a girl to play on a soccer team. <laughs> that's absolutely right. Oh, my God. Fucking yeah. Ladybugs. That's a good oh, film, man. Good it's, film. it's funny. He was in the Sidekicks. film with Chuck Norris. That's it. Sidekicks. He was daydreaming about kicking ass with Chuck Norris. So that's what he I was doing in that film. At the convenience store in our town. Gosh. 
I mean, when Sidekicks came out, there was, you know, tie-in and shit, and I think there was some sort of, like, Sidekicks Big Gulp fucking deal or something. I don't fucking remember what exactly the deal was, but there was a poster with the kid and fucking Chuck Norris, and, like, (laughs) doing a fucking... Sidekick. A sidekick. And, you know, advertising whatever in the middle. I can't fucking remember what. What I do remember is that that fucking poster stayed up for, like, eight years. Wow. I saw this kid a lot. He was a huge part of my growing up life just because of that goddamn poster. Especially because my mom ended up working there. Yeah, and that's... It's funny how those full circles come complete, don't you think? Mm -hmm. He was in a lot of those films, like I said, in the 90s. Specifically early to mid-90s that I'd grown up watched. And I think the last big project that he worked on might have been sequest 2032 a television series from what i understood like it was a really good sci-fi had a really cool element and then the second and third seasons kind of wavered off and started focusing on like different main characters as opposed to some of the uh i guess surrounding cast that might have been the last big project for him so that was young yeah we talked about the young and then the old, old is richard thomas Richard Thomas was John Boy on The Waltons. I think most people recognize him from his role in that particular project. He is also currently on the Americans television series. I want to watch that. I haven't seen it yet, but it looks really interesting. Yeah, I mean, it's supposed to be about, what, spies and espionage and all this other cool stuff. I haven't seen it either, but it's got a really cool cast. He was also in the Wonder Boys movie with Michael Douglas, the guy who said he got cancer from eating. Do you remember what he said he got cancer from? Oh, God. No, no, it wasn't. Oh, it's so dirty. Should I say it? Yeah, say it. He said he got cancer. I don't know if he said it snidely or if it was maybe sarcasm. But he said uh, he attributes it from eating coochie. All right. Look it up. Well, I ain't never got no cancer from that yet. Nah. Well, like, considering who he's married to, too. What does that say about her? Damn. <laughs> so there's John Boy, right? The old yeah. Bill Denbro. I guess the next character I'll mention is the young Eddie Kasprak, Adam Frazel. He was on the movie, or in the movie, RoboCop 2, in the old film, Johnny Be Good. It's an old oh. film with um, Robert Downey Jr. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah anyhow, it's, I think Uma Thurman's Tony in that Stark. one, too. It's like an, a mid-80s film about recruits going to Texas to play football. Anyhow. All right. Yeah, that's an old film I remember. But anyhow, this is the kid played Eddie uh, Kasprick that had the hypochondriac mother in the film as a child oh, and yeah. as an adult. He also was the one with the inhaler. He was the kind of the pipsqueak of the group. And Kid does a good job. I think he did job. a solid job in this. Old Eddie? Dennis Christopher? Yeah, Dennis Christopher played the adult Eddie Kasprick. And uh, we talked about Django Unchained. He is in Django Unchained. I can't remember the character he played, but he's definitely Looking in that. Looking that up right now. This has me very interested. Yeah, when you had mentioned that, I was like, whoa, that is really cool. I didn't look up everybody. I wrote down just a oh, couple of films. Oh, oh my God. Oh, shit. I know who he is. He's Leonardo DiCaprio's lawyer. There you go. <laughs> it's really cool. Holy shit. He was in a couple of films. That was my I mind exploding. say mostly in the 70s that were pretty big. Uh, he was in Chariots this, of Fire. That just made me love it even more. High five. Very nice. Yeah, Chariots of Fire I mentioned. Breaking Away, which is a film about cycling that had like pretty strong oh, cast mm-hmm. i've never seen the film but i saw like some of the uh the cast members I'm like damn that's pretty cool i think he won an award for a couple of those films dennis christopher and he was also in a film kind of in a, a cult classic late 80s maybe early 90s film called fade to black it's a really oh. bizarre film hmm. 
kind of artsy, but it's a really good film. I would highly recommend it just for its merit alone. Who are we going to next? Let's go with uh, the the only girl in the group, right? Okay. So the young Beverly Marshall is played by Emily Perkins. Emily Perkins is a Canadian actress, and I know this because we had mentioned another Canadian actress in a couple of uh, projects she's been on exclusively that I'm thinking of is Hannibal, right? Right. Catherine Isabella played, the, I think, the second season. She mm-hmm. played the sister of the guy who owned the, the pig farms and all that stuff. Right, Mason Verger. Yeah. So anyhow, those two girls were in a project together called Ginger Snaps, where they played <laughs> sisters. I was going to say, if you're one of those fucking terrible people that call characters by the name of the movie they're in, she's fucking Ginger Snaps. Yeah, she's Ginger Snaps. <laughs> she plays Bridget in the film Ginger Snaps. Uh, she, like I said, she's a sister to uh, Catherine Isabella's uh, character in the film, but uh, it's about werewolves. It's a werewolf film. It's actually a really good film. There's like three or four versions of it, and I think they're all in those films. Like They don't change the actors or actresses in those films. All right, and I remember she pops up in Juno as well. I she does. She's Juno. in Juno, and she was also in the film Insomnia oh, with nice. Al Pacino. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh. 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 <laughs> <Anyway>. <laughs> yeah, sorry. Uh, but Annette O'Toole plays the adult Beverly Marsh, and Annette O'Toole, she was in the film 48 Hours with Nick Nolte and Eddie Murphy. She was also, I think she played Lana in Superman 3, and she was in a film called Cat People. So she worked in some pretty big films in the 80s, specifically. Cat People, the track by David Bowie, appearing on the Inglorious Bastard soundtrack, Damn. just to go back to Tarantino again. That's pretty wild, isn't it? Jesus, Murphy, man. So yeah, that's our two lead actresses in this film. From that point, I want to mention Tim Reed, the adult Mike Hanlow, because he worked on some really big projects, man. Back in the 70s, he was in WKRP in Cincinnati. He worked on the show Sister, Sister as their father. I was going to say, that's what I most remember him from, because I watched the shit out of Sister, Sister. I used to watch some reruns of that. Yeah. Never knew how much I missed her. I mean, that was good. There we go. Was it Tia and Tamara? Mm-hmm. Yeah, there you go. Lowry? Lowry? Is that Lowry or is it Maori? Maori? Lowry? Something like that. Mike Lowry? <laughs> Anywho, yeah, he played the, the dad on that show. He's really good. But he also played Hyde's dad on that 70s show. That's right. As the uh, the record shop owner. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So um, that's kind of most of the projects I remember him from. And he does a really fucking good job on this film. And the young Mike Hanlow in this film is Marlon Taylor. He didn't really do a lot of projects outside of this film. He still works in independent projects. Two of them that I have written um, down are The Puppeteer. There was one other thing that Tim Reed did that I oh, wanted yeah. to mention. Oh, yeah. Go ahead. I'm sorry. He was the mayor, Mayor McLemore, on Alley Cat Strike disney channel original movie oh damn yeah you like original <laughs> movies yes that's awesome bam what up so there's a Decom. disney og drop OG. for you uh he also appeared in three episodes of highlander the series that's really which, cool uh I mean, yeah. it's it wasn't a bad show it was all right i no, i dig me some highlander dude i get down on highlander yeah i love the films so, i mean some of them are uh, two mm, yeah mm, let's forget that happened yeah i mean sometimes it happens yeah, I was mentioning the uh, the young Mike Hanlon, Marlon Taylor. Like I said, two of the films that I wrote down that he worked on, some people probably, I didn't know them, but if you perhaps know them, one was called Know Thy Enemy, and the other one's The Puppeteer. Moving on, I would write down uh, maybe Ben Hanscom, right? We didn't mention John Ritter. So yeah, John Ritter. People Huge. like John Ritter. I like John Ritter. 
I grew up watching some films that he was in. Uh, most, probably most notably for me would be Problem Child. I don't know how many times I watched yeah, that. Yeah, Problem film. Child. Oh, over and over and over I watched Problem Child. Uh, Sling Blade? Uh, you know, I have only ever seen that once. I've seen that one a lot. Three's Company? I mean, how can you not mention him being in Three's Company? Right. Huh, hello. He was in Bad Santa. He voiced some characters in King of the Hill. He was on the show Eight Simple Rules. And he was also in the movie Bride of Chucky. So I wanted to mention a couple of those projects. But he's most... I think most people will know him as being kind of an upbeat, little goofy character. Very comedy. He has really good comedy. Uh, great timing. Comedy. Oh, my like God. His timing is impeccable. Three, go watch some Three's Company. Such a good show, man. So good. It, to this day, it holds up. It's funny. You can binge watch think, the shit out of that I show. It holds up. Yeah. I think most of those old shows hold up, though, to be honest. Yeah. I mean, those are classic sitcoms, man. I mean, but, who doesn't want to have two, you know, basically hot roommates? <laughs> and have Don Knotts as your landlord. <laughs> I want Don Knotts as my landlord. <laughs> That'd be awesome. <laughs> so Ritter's awesome. Ritter's in this. Uh, and then we have Young Ben. Yeah, the kid who played that, man, he was did a stellar job. Brandon Crane. Brandon Crane, yeah, he was on the show The Wonder Years. I was going to say, he didn't do much, but he's another, I binged out on Wonder Years yeah, when I was young. Yeah, the show's so good. Uh, so I instantly recognized him. I was like, I like this kid. I've He hasn't done hardly anything. I mean, he has like no. 17 credits. Uh, I think it was think, mostly TV series, yeah, like and he, I think some he guest just, appearances I think, here and there. I, I don't know what happened. His life went elsewhere. Yeah, it He did fantastic in this. I remember him in Wonder Years. One other show I had written down for him was uh, I watched the hell out of their show, which it's funny that we mentioned Three's Company because he worked on Step by Step for like an episode or two. And he's the grandson of the guy that reads the opening narration of In Gone with the Wind. No kidding. Yes. Dang, that's really cool. <laughs> Who'd have thought that? <laughs> that's really cool. So there's our Ben Hanscom. Let's see here. We've got Stanley Uris, played by Richard Mazur. So Stanley, poor Stanley. I don't want to talk about that quite yet, but poor Stanley. He had this weird, I don't know, he would like say this mantra. Oh. You know what I mean? It's kind of weird. I didn't write it down, but it was, I don't know. He was repetitive a lot, but he worked on the movie The Thing. So that's a big, I think another Carpenter, right? Uh, yeah. 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 He worked uh, in the movie Risky Business. He was in the movie My Girl, which is funny. I mentioned Macaulay Culkin. <laughs> and the HBO movie, it's a great film if you want to know about baseball history and Roger Maris and how he broke Babe Ruth's home run record, the film 61. So uh, those are films that I'm familiar with for Richard Masser. And, uh, I know he shows up uh, at least for a tiny bit in Encino Man. Yeah. Multiplicity. Damn. Yeah, he's a very familiar figure. I think for me, probably mostly in the 90s. Yeah, yeah, it's, I'd agree with that. My Girl too. Yeah, like I said, he's been in a lot of those films, man. I mean, they're not bad. Pretty entertaining. Uh, the young Stanley Uris in this film was played by Ben Heller. And the only other project he worked on was the making of it, the Pennywise story. That was it. So he worked on this film and that making of, and that was it. All right. Still doesn't Sorry, take away Stan, from like, his his acting. The kid did a pretty good job. Yeah. Sorry, Stan. Yeah. Let me see. Did we miss anybody else? So we got Pennywise. Did we get everybody? I think did we named all the, Mike, uh, the, the Stanley, kids and the adults from the uh, Losers Club. We got Club. Eddie, Richie, Beverly. God, why does there have to be seven of them? Which goes for 14 fucking actors. Yeah. So I think we did mention him because we did say Tim Curry that started off with. So I think. Oh, we should probably yeah. mention at least Henry Bowers. No, I said there's three other people I do yeah. want to mention that aren't in the Losers Club. But you're right. Yeah. Henry Bowers was played by Jared Blanker. Some of the films that he worked on were kind of interesting. He's a Canadian actor. As some of these 
actors and actresses in this film are. We do have to mention that this is a joint United States and Canadian project. Because most of this was filmed in Vancouver, That's British right. Columbia. Which there's still a lot of things filmed up in Vancouver. I know most of the CW superhero series are. Or no, they're filmed in Toronto, Vancouver. They're filmed in Canada. That's for sure. Well, um, like this, there's some uh, there's somebody I want to mention here in a minute, and it's interesting because Emily Perkins and that other actress is talking about Catherine Isabella. Their names appear for a reason here in just a moment. But you're right. Moving to uh, Henry Bowers, right, the bully in this film, the main bully, I would say. He was in the film uh, The Boys Club, Disturbing Behavior, which is a '90s-centric kind of teen horror film. I would, I would mm-hmm. maybe say. And he did the voice of Michelangelo in Saban's Ninja Turtles, The Next Mutation. Oh, okay. So if anybody's seen that, you would the hear him mutation. as... The I have ones? no fucking okay. clue, dude. It, it was probably a Canadian version. Shit. <laughs> um, They're all polite. Yeah. Go get some tea hose. You're not my friend, buddy. <laughs> Guy and friend. But no, I do enjoy a bit of Canada. Uh, off for a rip. Yeah. <laughs> you get some poutine weenies and we're good. Yeah, those are some of the projects he worked on. Uh, we don't get to see old Henry Bowers, do we, in the first half? Not in the first half. Good. Not in the first half. That means we don't have to mention him yet. Yeah, thank goodness. <laughs> Two other actors and actresses I want to mention. Uh, Sheila Moore. I mentioned that she was the hypochondriac mother of Eddie in this film. As the adult in both versions of... Uh, the Losers Club and the adult version. You know what I mean? She, uh-huh. They didn't change actresses oh, for right, that. right, uh, So she plays Mrs. Casperick. And the reason I know her, and it kind of almost shit my pants when I recognized her, is because she was in a film I've mentioned several times called The Reflecting Skin. Oh. And she plays a fucking crazy mother in that film. And they just so happen to be during the same time periods. Huh. She's another Typecast. Canadian actress, which I mentioned there's Canadian actresses and mm-hmm. actors in this. Some people might recognize her for her role in Bye Bye Blues and or the film Snow Falling on Cedars. That's the only other two films that I had worth note, but I found it was kind of odd that I mentioned that film, The Reflecting Skin, so many times. Because that's a very cultish film, Mm -hmm. and then she appears as the crazy mother in It. So go figure. Um, And so then... There's one other big actor I want to mention I'm trying to guess who it would be. I'm trying to take a look at who he has. Literally, like maybe 10 seconds of airtime, if that. I might be giving him a generous amount of time in that. Captain? No, it's during the cafeteria scene where Seth Green's character runs into an older teacher, maybe. That gentleman just so happened to be William B. Davis. His title in this film is Mr. Uh, Guidru. But people, I would hope, would recognize him as the smoking man in the X Files. (laughs) <laughs> and I almost shit my pants when I saw him. I was like, hold on. Is that who I think that is? Fucking cigarette smoking man. That is, yeah, it's a smoking man. God damn it. And a lot of I didn't notice X-Files, that. You know what? Honestly, I haven't yeah. watched a lot of X-Files, but Dude, I've watched enough that I should have recognized that, it. That show, anybody knows me, that was my tits back in the day. That was my shit. I instantly recognize him. I couldn't help All right. but recognize him. And like I said, being that this is a Canadian production being filmed in Vancouver, the X-Files was filmed in vancouver for a lot of the first probably five four or five seasons and one of the biggest direct uh, i think producers was the father of Catherine isabella who was in gender snaps with emily perkins okay who plays beverly oh, so let me see here oh we haven't given a synopsis yet i'd be surprised if people didn't know what the fuck it was about by now considering Jesus a movie just Christ, came out yeah. and it's been everywhere but in case you don't know yeah let's give a brief synopsis uh i guess 
a group of outcast kids come together to thwart an evil in their town and have to come together again as adults because it seems to arise. And this is the story mostly of the kid part. Mostly. Yes. So there's an occurrence, which we won't mention quite yet, that happens every, what, maybe three decades, 27 Somewhere years or like so. Yeah. yeah. And it just so happens to reoccur in this film. So yeah, we'll mention what that is. We can give some warnings, I suppose. There's not very many, but there is some, a if little bit of blood. Of clowns. Oh, well, clowns. God damn. First off, like, this is kind of like the scary clown movie right now. It certainly is. Like, we did Killer Clowns from Outer Space already, but that's more culty. Like, that's not a fucking scary clown movie. Nah, it's not. I think that one's, um, it's definitely a throwback to, like, the drive-in films and some of the hokiness of it. But this one is more based on the fear, I mean, like a dread of clowns. I mean, Jesus Christ, we're talking about Pennywise here, right? I know there's a lot of people out there with the fear of clowns, so if you don't like clowns, probably don't want to watch this Do movie. you remember the name? Clorophobia. Of that? There you go. Yeah, I was like, it's funny that we're mm. getting to mention that again. It's one of the ones I have memorized. Yeah, Bam. Cholerophobia. It's pretty um, cool. God, you said, yeah, there is a little bit of blood. Just some kind there of creepy are some, occurrences. Some PC oh, terms they use. Non say, yeah. PC, excuse me. Hard end bomb twice. Yeah. Bam. Yeah. So but you kind of expect it from you're the kid get that, that it comes that. from. <laughs> and even in the... Uh, the novel. It's not a surprise. It's a, it's a it well, no, it's not a surprise considering. But in the novel version of it too, that narrative has a bigger storyline that they didn't include in this film. Mm-hmm. I mean, how can you condense them? Like I said, eleven hundred page. Yeah, it's like an eleven hundred page, page novel. Book. I haven't yeah. read it. He hasn't yet read it. One day. One, one day. day. In fact, if we read it, maybe we'll do another episode just to explain That'd the differences. Cool. That'd be kind of neat. But we're gonna have to read an eleven hundred page book first. I'm a pretty good reader. We're still probably not gonna do it anytime soon, just because there's other shit going. Yeah, on. don't hold us to it. <laughs> uh, if it happens, though, yeah, I'd love to come back and oh, yeah. like find out what we all missed because. That's a lot of information to condense down, and people still love this, so... Yeah, I mean, considering we mentioned that it's, what, a a little over three-hour film, Mm -hmm. both parts. I guess with that, let's get to squealing? Yeah, I can't think of any other warnings outside of, like, say, unless you have a fear of clowns and you don't like a bit of blood and a little bit of, you know... Just kind of... Language... A little bit of violence. I do have to mention, there's a little bit of domestic violence in this, too. Yeah, a little bit of domestic violence and a little bit... It's just kind of creepy imagery. It's not really terrifying. It's not that scary. It's mostly tonal more than than anything. Yeah, let's get into it. Squeal! Squeal! How does that make you squeal? We're squealing. Yes, we are. Fucking it. Yeah, dude. Uh, So... I think before we actually did this, we both discussed the fact that it had been a while since we saw it. It's been a long while for me. I was trying to remember exactly when I had seen it. It wasn't as far back as I originally assumed. I thought I hadn't seen it since like 98 or so. I eventually figured out that I probably saw it right around 2002, 2003, but that's the last time I saw it. I would wager I'd seen it sometime in... Probably the early 90s. I mean, I might have seen it once outside of its original airing, but I couldn't remember the year. So, I'll admit, going into this, I was pretty apprehensive, because I was like, I know this is from 1990s. I know it was a TV miniseries. I know it was a joint Canadian-American adventure, and I know how some other things that were also joint and Canadian adventures from that time period looked and sort of felt and sounded like, Are You Afraid of the Dark? Definitely has a huge one. And I kind of didn't want to sit through three hours of Are You Afraid of the Dark? No. 
So I was kind of scared going into this, but not scared in the way I should be. I was kind of scared of having to shit, possibly sit through a worse movie than you had maybe originally remembered. Right. I think I had the same, I don't know, maybe kind of feelings a little bit. I was like, I know it's a strong cast when you look at it on paper. And then there's parts of it where, you know, maybe not so much. Look, Jamarcus Russell looks strong on paper. Yeah, exactly. I mean, there's everybody looks good on paper until you put it in film. You know, anyhow, I, like I, said, I do remember watching it, but I was nine years old the first time it came out, like when it originally mm-hmm. aired. So you, it's hard to trust a nine-year-old mind, you know, 20 something plus years later. I even remember back at the time when I watched it, like 02, 03, I watched it because of Tim Curry. And I remember that those parts held up. And that's a lot of what I still remembered from this movie going into it. But rewatching this, I realized there was a lot I forgot. Yeah. I kind of realized there was a lot. I was kind of glad I forgot. <laughs> That's understandable as well. Like I said, I think a child's mind, they don't see the nuances like you and I see now as adults. You know, we can sit back and chuckle at some of these things. There's like, whoa, we're seeing it for what it's worth. Okay, so I know this is the popular opinion anyway. It's not like I'm having an extremely hot take on this. This is basically what <laughs> everybody says that I've ever talked to about this movie. And it holds true. I kind of was falling asleep during just about all the adult sequences because they were all pretty much horseshit. Yeah. Honestly, I think they could have... They probably could have done away with the adult narrative in the first half of this film. Like, you know, the the first half of the miniseries. I couldn't tell for sure, but was there some sort of, like, filter shift when they were doing the, the child scenes? that made something look like softer with the film or when am i just imagining in my head no i you but, know that's a good point too because i think in the 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 scenes with the children it was almost feels like a film but with the adults for me it felt like it was more glam so all the adult sequences felt like i was watching highlander the series yeah it's like it was more it felt more for television and when i watched yeah and all the kids parts felt like a movie yeah. I felt like I was sitting down watching a film and they were great and all the angles seemed to be just on and the kids are all fantastic and they feel like they're coming together and there's a couple parts that I'd say are a little bit played up for like laughs, uh, but not no much. Doubt. Like it all feels rather natural. Yeah, no, they're, they feel like they're kids, like they're very, like I said, they're connected and they're very believable in what they're doing. Whereas... All the adult sequences felt like a Highlander or uh, shit. Gosh, it just felt like they were, pl- to me, Wings. not all of them, but most of the main adults, I felt like they were over-portraying their character. And I didn't really believe that any of those kids grew up into being any of those adults. No, that's hard to believe. All those kids wound up being successful out of that little bitty town. Oh, not oh man! I, w- I wasn't even touching on the success. I just thought even just casting wise. Well, like, that too. Yeah, the how they look like i didn't really maybe tim reed yeah <laughs> damn yeah but yeah i could say maybe a little bit with annette o'toole and emily perkins i maybe. could see them a little bit yeah they're a little bit more believable but everybody else is kind of iffy yeah oh jesus i had a hard time paying attention during most of those except for the beverly one because fuck that guy i mean we're kind of jumping ahead into the movie a little bit but yeah no I, holy shit that's what I was thinking, too, when I was watching this. Like, oh, I don't remember all this slapping around going on. 
That's the thing. Most of my thoughts on this movie aren't even in order. It's just all the hot takes because I hadn't seen it in... It's been a long time. Over a decade at this point. And I I couldn't really remember too much of it. And I'm so excited to watch the movie later on that we've already seen at this point. And I'm even more excited now to see how some of the stuff translates across. Especially because not only were all the kids' sequences good, all the Pennywise sequences go up even more. Yes. Tim Curry... He just, he nails that character, right, as Pennywise. He brings that fear. Just, I don't know, just that whole demeanor, man. Like I said, it transcends time, too, because it still holds weight. His character really holds this film together, man. (laughs) So strong. I felt like basically every one of the Pennywise screwing with the kids' sequences were really well done. Starting like the, what did we have first? It was... The very first interaction... With the kids or just in general? Well, I mean, well, I mean, we have the, the iconic Georgie. Yeah, you definitely have that. You also have the the beginning where the little girl gets a, you know, she gets fucked up oh. on the tricycle. Oh, that's right. Yeah, and the clothesline. Oh, God, somehow I always forget about that one. Yeah, that kind of kicks it off, and I think that helps kind of explain the narrative of the adults and why they're, Mike's contacting all of these other Hamlet. adults. Or, yeah, why he's contacting all these different adults in... Oh yeah, because it's framed around. There's the, some. The there's a lot of kid murders now. now. Yeah, uh, the the kids are all flashback sequences. Yeah, he found the picture of Georgie. Georgie yeah. is the first one I really remember. That's the iconic, floating the fucking. Oh man, the little paper boat. The paper boat. Oh, he's my. just having a good time. It's the SS Georgie. Tick. <laughs> and Tim Curry pops up. Oh man, yeah. Once it goes down the storm drain, that's when it starts really get terrifying. Like. You get the the true sense of the nature of, of who Pennywise is. I have a hard time even finding the words to explain it. He's he really just lives in the persona. It feels like it. It doesn't feel like Tim Curry when I'm watching it. It feels like Pennywise the clown. Exactly. You don't see Tim Curry the man. You see, yeah, you see Pennywise the character. And, I mean, and some, of that, some of the prosthetics help, but a lot of it's. Also, just his face, because the, yeah. the original intention for the character was a lot more prosthetics. He didn't kind of didn't want to do that, and it's probably just because he had gotten done doing a lot of movies where he had to do a lot of prosthetics. Uh, he was in Legend. I, I would That's imagine. I was going to say Legend was probably the big one where he was like, "Look, I'm good not doing all of that all the time. <laughs> I'm the fucking devil." Yeah. So they re- sort of redesigned Pennywise. And based it kind of off the Phantom of the Opera, Lon Chaney, a bit. But he's his face is so animated throughout the movie. And all just these little weird moving mannerisms that just set him into this weird, just slightly off clown. And I mean, clowns are just slightly off anyway. So. Yeah, most definitely. Well, you're right. His mannerisms, his eyes, his mouth. He's, he's his... kind of always just, he's always on a little bit, like... He's always performing just a little bit. Like, all of his movements are very theatrical, very sudden stops and stuff. You can see all of his movements very clearly. Yeah. And he pops up, and he rips off Georgie's arm, basically. (laughs) Man, poor Georgie, yeah. Because he entices Georgie with all kinds of surprises if you come down here, Georgie. We even got balloons. The new one. Is it rated R? Are we going to get to see Oh, yeah, it definitely is rated R. Do you think we're going to get to see a little oh, bit more of these I would these fucking attacks? hope so. They better. If they want to kind of stay true a little bit to the narrative, I would say they would, they would definitely need to do something of that nature. Otherwise, it's just kind of it's throwing things off. I mean, I don't mind not seeing blood. I don't want to see a kid's arm get ripped off. But I mean, but it would also be neat. Yeah. 
I, I'm just curious how, I mean, how violent they're going to get because there's some opportunities for great violence in this, especially well, yeah. in some of the updated versions of some of this terrorizing. Well, that's, I'd say the cool thing, though, is, too, like I said, with the uh, special effects and gore and things like that, it's like we all know it's props and right. it could be practical effects. But if it's done tasteful, yeah, I'm all for it. And so then the first after Georgie is... I want to go with mostly through the Pennywise sequences. I thought those were the coolest bits of the film. I mean, yeah, because I, I, I we all each touch one on focuses on a yeah. It starts with an adult getting the phone call, and then it focuses on them having a flashback of how they got connected to Deary and the yeah, first. Yeah, it's usually how them. they can get get connected into the club, and then how they connect to Pennywise. Yeah, I think the first one is is it Ben that we get to meet? Like he he's moved in from like Texas with his mom. Oh, okay. And yep. he's talking about he likes reading stories, and that's how you kind of get introduced to the bullies as well because they start calling. Fatso and kind of pick on him, and he has it's a little uh, little eye for Beverly, young Beverly, mm-hmm. right? And uh, I think that's where we kind of meet Stan a little bit because the main bully Henry, he's always getting in trouble, man. He's always making comments, getting in trouble with the teacher. But the kid famously says he's gonna die, and that's kind of sparks that whole bullying and how that plays a big role in this film. Henry Bowers was a fucking psycho. Yeah. What dude. the fuck? How is that? How has that kid not already inflicted enough harm upon somebody that he was already put away for something? In the book, I know he's very, he's violent and does harm to animals and kids alike. So I think they, you know, they have to downplay it a little bit for TV. But in the book, definitely. But I mean, even in this TV version, it, it seems like. Yeah, I mean, uh, I mean, we're only seeing these little bits and pieces, but he's having these terrorizing encounters with. You have to assume even more kids than just the the fucking oh, losers. Oh yeah, club. I would imagine so. And so some of the times he's getting away with some of this shit, but there's no way he'd get away with some of this shit. Not with the shit that he's fucking pulling. Yeah, he's fucking threatening. He gets you know he goes through with some of that. Some kid ends up seriously hurt, and then he is fucking going away for something. Yeah, for a very long time. I mean, time period wise, like I figure cultural mindset was a little bit different and they'd probably be a little bit more permissive of their kid getting roughed up a little bit but he was off the fucking chain yeah he had other intentions like yeah. he he literally meant what he, he said. has inflicted grievous bodily harm on somebody and he should already be put away i don't know how he wasn't but but yeah i think that's how we get the first encounter too with bully being henry and some of his little sidekicks but uh after school beverly kind of introduces herself to ben Mm-hmm. Ben kind of repeats her name because you know he's kind of spitting he by her. And then he runs right back into those bullies after school. They get him in a headlock. He winds up kicking the kid. Mm-hmm. He takes that back tumble over, I suppose, that embankment, and it leads to those barrens, that little creek and whatnot. And that's where you meet uh, Bill and Eddie because they're down there, I guess, skipping rocks or whatever the fuck they're doing. Ben winds up escaping in that little drain pipe those bullies are running around that's when they run into mm-hmm. those other two kids but anyhow that's how they introduce themselves that's the first three kids we kind of get introduced to yeah and i mean you get eddie's all asthmatic and shit and yeah they get i mean they all get bullied and shit but it all turns out okay they bond they're gonna build a fucking dam and that's what starts to bring everybody in as the stories go on it's all like them joining on to help build the fucking dam yeah the, yeah exactly that's how they get involved one thing, too, I, I suppose with the Georgie death that we should mention is 
Bill does have the first encounter with Pennywise oh, right. in, the, in the photo album. Okay, in the see, bedroom. that's what I was trying yeah, to remember. I, I was just so. thinking, I was like, damn, we forgot to say that. But that's that's where that the photo album comes alive with Georgie's picture kind of winking at him and shit. That was creepy. And the blood coming out of the picture. That was and the really, parents just kind see, of like was, absent-minded. I, I, really liked, well, I really liked that. It was all really cool. Yeah, it was. And it was all appearing like just to him. Like the parents couldn't fucking see it. I thought that was really creepy. Yeah. Why are the adults, when it's just adults terrible but even adults in the kids scenes are really good that's a good point they are that's that's a good point i don't know i didn't think about it's it that not way. just the adults in this movie it's only the adults version of the kids and yeah they're not terrible terrible but they're not it's not good it feels like tv exactly that's what i'm saying it just and felt the like it's, of it feels like a film they were just trying to get some names i suppose mm-hmm. for tv but i don't know but yeah, that was kind of a trippy moment. Even as a kid, I do remember that scene where the, the photo album comes alive. See, it was weird. I can only remember half of that. I remember the it coming alive, but I don't remember the wink. Yeah, that was fucked him up. And that's kind of starts his whole thing with with it. Mm-hmm. You know, that's his first encounter. They all meet. What happens too is I guess Eddie he needs his inhaler. That's mm-hmm. where the kid runs off. Bill comes back later on those two kids wind up discussing how their dads died the one kid got his dad got the big c cancer cancer the other kid's dad died in in korea Korea. war yeah and then they talk about bill's brother georgie he's like don't bring it up he doesn't want to like to talk about it that was something too that was weird to me in this film (laughs) was the adult bill when he gets that phone call and he has his freak out moment and shit with his Mm -hmm. i guess his girlfriend or wife or whatever he's like i forgot See, I feel like that has to be something tied in to the fact that it was an 1,100-page novel. Yeah, there's a lot going on. tied into some of that sh- details that have to get cut, but... That was one thing that was weird. And even, he even mentions that to her. He's like, I know this is going to sound crazier. This doesn't make sense right now. I know that I have a terrible ponytail. Yeah, goddamn. And I'm kind of stiff with my lines. Yeah, and the stuttering. The stuttering wasn't done very well on either side. Yeah. But yeah, I thought that was kind of weird, like how he just, I forgot, I forgot about my little brother's death. Do, does it explain it more in the second? We'll get to it. Yeah, we'll eventually get to it, but I just I guess thought it was we'll weird. we'll eventually get to it, because like I said, there was a lot of this movie I didn't remember. That was one, too, and that I, I totally forgot. That's definitely going to be the case with the second half as well, so. Oh, I'm sure Maybe they explain that. <laughs> uh, we'll find we'll out, there. right, in the second part, hopefully. Once we eventually get there, we're not in a rush right now, since yeah. the kid portion's over. Uh, <laughs> But no, I mean, the, in the first in the first half, it doesn't really make sense. Like, why the fuck he forgot about his little brother's no. death? Shit, who's next? Well, we, we talked about Ben. Ben has that moment with when his cousin finds out he's like writing that poem, mm-hmm. right? He calls him out, and then they have that little skirmish, and that his aunt comes in, scolds his cousin. He and his mom have that talk about you know eventually they'll get a home. He runs blah, off. Blah, blah. Yeah, he they run it here. But when he runs off, he goes down to. Uh, that little pond or that little, I don't know, marsh or whatever it is near that uh, sewer building. And he hears his dad. Right. Yeah. And that's when his dad has the balloon. Pennywise appears yeah. as his dad. I'm living down here now. But then he starts gradually, I thought it was neat how he sort of started gradually changing. And first it was just like the, the puff balls appearing yep. on his uniform and shit. Yeah. Like it's slowly starting to change. Mm-hmm. But uh, he has that encounter and that little corpse, mm-hmm. <laughs> the skeleton pops out. Tries to latch onto him, and then he has that moment about they float. That's the a big thing. thing is cool. God, it gets creepy over time. They float. at first you're just kind of like, yeah, 
Yeah. But I'm, he mean, he, I mean, we all remember that line, so it's not like I wasn't expecting it going in there. It played a, a central part in what what he was meaning by that, too, mm-hmm. and where all that shit took place. But that's his encounter. Is it that. Beverly after that? It might have been, yeah, because she's a fashion designer now with an abusive husband, mm-hmm. or at least it seems that way, because she gets the phone call initially, and he tells that and that he's completely woman can, yeah, yeah. no nope, nope. she's not taking it now we're doing this other thing yeah we have a business meeting it's going to create a lot of capital don't and so they do that don't me in front of her anymore yeah i'm not going to say it but no, yeah it's just like mm. yeah it's like mm, damn controlling right she has that little moment too that was funny she does a little thing with her hair mm-hmm. <laughs> that was funny but they eventually meet these japanese men apparently they strike a deal because the next scene they're having a romantic session in the bed he goes off to get some champagne. She gets she a phone call, call, and it's Mike again. Of course, she's going to head off, too. And as she starts to head off... Yeah, she's packing, rough. man. Yeah, and she's like, um, I need to go to Maine. And this one, I was like... This was the only adult part that I really paid attention to. Oh, he slaps his shit out of her. I mean, I guess I started to pay attention to Ben's a little bit, just because it was Ritter. His was good. Yeah, he wasn't bad. I I, I kind of liked Ritter throughout. Yeah, Ritter yeah. wound up being an architect, and he was hooking up with some mm-hmm. Latina. And yeah. I mean, as soon as he got the phone call, he was like, "Nope, my sex drive ended." As soon as yeah, I got that sorry. call, it. yeah, and he was out. He pieced out, but we a bit, he went up on top of that building tonight. <laughs> no, he went up on top of the building, was drinking, and he was kind of having the flashbacks of, I guess, his dad and shit. I gotta go do it otherwhere. Yeah, he he said not tonight. Sorry. But yeah, that was Ritter's. Ritter did pretty good. You're going to have to do it to yourself. Like I said, and I think Annette O'Toole did pretty well because once she got, she slung like some kind of uh, thing off of her dress or some shit and it knocked her husband in the, oh, in yeah. the forehead. I, I just kind of, I wish I'll kill you. Even then, <laughs> man, I'm just so critical of the fucking adults parts. But yeah, I wish they wouldn't have slow mode that because you can see him <laughs> expecting it and like tense up. And yeah. <laughs> yeah, he knew he fucked up. <laughs> That's when you knew you fucked up. Nope, nope. Mm. But yeah, she winds up getting into a taxi and she's just like, I need to catch a flight to Maine. That's basically what she's doing. And then she has, she's reminiscing, I suppose, about, I guess, her storyline, like how she gets involved. And if I'm not mistaken, it kind of starts off with uh, her dad being abusive, too. Yeah, her dad's kind of a shit. Because her dad finds out that she got that letter or the poem Mm -hmm. and she's reading it and he's like, Are you doing such and such with little boys yeah. like he's calling Run her out for maybe being already. a dirty little girl right yeah. she can't be more than 11 i think he said 12 or 12 yeah, even then right he slaps her and then she winds up I running thought her off. pennywise thing was kind of neat though her pennywise yeah. thing was I, was she getting out of the shower i don't remember what she was doing well, it was after she was like in the bathroom yeah they all are like they meet up again and that's how she gets introduced into the right. group right and then when she goes back home she's all smitten over the young Bill, Jonathan Brandis's character. And then when she goes home, um, she does. She's like getting washed up or whatever. And she goes into the to the bathroom and the sink. And she starts hearing little kids' voices like, help me, I'm down here. And it's all the little kids that have been killed so far. And then that blood winds up. Is it a balloon or something that comes yeah, out? Yeah, it kind of looks like a balloon. Well, it kind of looks like a fucking clown nose. Yeah. And then it kind of looks like a balloon, and then it fucking pops. And gets blood all over the fucking place. And it's blood all over the place. She runs into the uh, living room where her dad's at, and her dad's all drunkard up or whatever. And he goes in there, and he's kind of a little bit accusing her of, like, maybe having some issues or something. Like, I don't know. But 
there's blood all over, and the same thing. Like he's she ignoring the blood. That he can't see it, and so yep. she covers it up. Like, oh, I saw a spider. Yeah, she does. She kind of makes the story up a little bit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, which is I thought it was kind of weird, but that's her encounter with Pennywise. I think the next one maybe is is it Harry Anderson? That's is it Richie Seth Green's character? Let's see. Richie was the he werewolf. was the com- yeah because he's the comedian and he has that so he's performing on some kind of show or whatever. Mm-hmm. He gets the phone call in the dressing room and I think he yeah he he's remembering the the werewolf and he runs right to the fucking. He, oh yeah, his I thought his was neat because you yeah. get the glimpse of his Pennywise right off the bat, and then it cuts back to the adult, and he goes and fucking pukes, and then you get his <laughs> his full flashback, yeah, of pissing off the bullies at the the theater the is the, probably the big one, yeah. I was thinking I was at this moment, werewolf. I do want to, I do want to bring this up. At that theater, there's nothing but kids there. Mm-hmm. It's like slam pack full of kids. And I, I've never been to a theater where it was like that. Like, there was at least some adults. Especially for I was a teenage werewolf. Yeah, and this is what, like 1960? 1959? Like 57, 58, yeah. something like Somewhere that. Somewhere around that, yeah, that time period. But I was just thinking, I've never been in a film, watching a film, I should say, in a theater where there's nothing but kids. It's like, I don't know if I would have enjoyed that, even with my group of friends. It would have been too loud, everybody screaming yeah, and shit. Yeah, fuck that. It sounded like, I thought it was weird. <laughs> But Eddie accidentally kicks some popcorn off. Yeah, accidentally at first. Seth fucking follows it up with some soda pop on top of it. Boom. Yeah. Oh, that was funny, man. Plus the burn. Yeah, he does the sick burn in at the. He's like, I throw a burn and then I cool you off, bitch. Then they run off, and I guess that's when they build the dam. Is that the right? I think they had all started working on it before, didn't they? They had mentioned when, it before. When Eddie had first gotten introduced, because he pops down in the group, him and Stan. It was Ben who, who was first introduced, right? And he, they were talking about wanting to build a dam. He's like, oh, yeah, all you got to do is put mm-hmm. wood in front of each other like sandwich bread. So they, they all gradually, we, every, every time they, but yeah, they add over on, the they course all of time, working yeah, on it. They all worked on it. But eventually it concludes with all of them working on it. Whatever. The, the point being is... Because when you have Eddie and Stan yeah. come down at the same time, he's like... Oh, he's a Jew, so... Uh, they was, oh, <laughs> god damn. Yeah, they kind of uh, poke fun at each other. He's mm-hmm. like, you know, he's Jewish, so... Well, he said something uh, about his character. Oh, so he's good with numbers and says oil a lot. Yeah, like that's that. exactly what he says. And then he talks... Uh, Stan talks about... Was it Richie? He's like, yeah, he has, like... What he said? Uh, high metabolism. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so he tends to, like... Whatever, he's hyperactive. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, he has high, high metabolism causes him to be a bit hyperactive, something like that. I mean, it's just funny how they're poking at each other. But, yeah, they, they all wind up Which getting Which is the cheeriest of, you see Stan in the entire movie. God, he's a Debbie Downer the whole time, dude. A- a- after that scene, he's, he's fucking, exactly, Debbie Downer. He's fucking just mm, I, sucking the life out of the party. <laughs> he is the worst from the rest of the movie on. He is, and he's the one that I was saying that has that weird, he, like, winds up grabbing his ear, or, like, rubs his ear, and says this, like, little line over and over and over again. I think, uh... Being, like, a good servant to God and country and being loyal and obedient. <laughs> Something weird. Like, anyway. I don't yeah, know. Yeah, I, it, I can't remember. And it didn't help him, let's put it this way. No, it didn't help him. Not whatsoever. Not in the end. <clears throat> no. But even the, during that moment where they're all have you know building dams and stuff like that they all have those weird encounters like they all not all of them but maybe one in the group kind of has little flashbacks of his encounter with pennywise up to that point mm-hmm. but when they all eventually leave that dam i think it shows eddie's mom eventually like freaking out because 
she doesn't want him playing with these kids. Kids, yeah. And that's the thing. She was even more tolerable in the flashback than she was with adult Eddie. Yeah. Because she was way over the top with as adult Eddie in the flashback. She was over the top, but she was more like believable, hysterical, overprotective mother. Precisely, I would say that's a good way of uh, it. Rather than unbelievable, hysterical, over the top adult mother. mother. Yeah, yeah. Because I'm like, he's got to be what in his forties, or like all of them have to be in their forties at the point. Yeah, and it's crazy. I, I don't even late thirties, whatever. Eddie's. <laughs> Well, and then Eddie's flashback to Pennywise is the one in the showers because she doesn't want him taking showering. showers at the school mm-hmm. with all the kids. But the gym guy, gym teacher's like, "Hey, that's a look, pretty cool scene, you man." Sweat, you shower. Yeah, cut the shit, kid. And so he goes down by himself. He's showering up. Now I thought the shower heads coming out were a bit hokey. Like yeah. I like the idea, but I didn't like how it actually looked. I know, yeah, yeah, end. how it, how it came off. <clears throat> I like, like I said, I like the concept. I like the idea. It didn't, it didn't execute quite right, but it was still pretty decent. I don't know what else I would have done though. No, not once for that I had scene. that idea and it looked like that, I'd be like, yeah, let's yeah. go with it. It's not bad. No, it's not. But, but then but Pennywise coming out of the drain, the drain was dope. And for that time period, they also use a little claymation. Or it's, it's. I don't think it's claymation, well, not claymation, it's but a, it's like a, it's close to that. Yeah, I can't remember the exact term yeah. for it, but yeah, they use a certain effect, right? But nonetheless, it was still good and yeah, cool. I liked it. Yeah, Pennywise, Tim Curry antagonizes little was it Eddie. Eddie. Yeah, fucks him up, calls him a little girly boy, shit <laughs> like that. But he has that moment too about you know they all they all float. But then he shows him like he cocks his head back and has the teeth and the eyes. Yeah, it's fucked up. That's terrifying, man. When you have those moments like that after shit. getting fucking sick burned. Eddie's. I, w- I wish there wasn't so many of them. Eddie's the little kid, and then Eddie, right. the grown-up, is the one, like I said, the mother. Over I know, but I'm just trying to think of who we've done and who it moves on to. I think after that, after Eddie, I can't remember if we get Mike's or if we get... Maybe we do get Mike's before Mike, we get... before we get... Well, because eventually he goes back to, like, um, I think the library he's working on, like, all the investigation, and he nods off, like, how he gets introduced to the group. Mm-hmm. I think before we get Stan's story... Because Stan's story kind of ends. Oh right, so yeah, we must get Mike before. Yeah, because at that point we get we talked about Seth Green being Richie. We get his introduction with maybe not. We I don't think we closed it with the werewolves and stuff with him. Oh no 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 no. So he he ends up getting oh confronted at school the cafeteria. He and Stan notice the other groups are kind of being a little downers. I think Bill wanted to tell them like what was happening, but that cop comes and tells them about the kid getting murdered. And he makes them promise about staying in a group. Oh, that they'd always stay in a group. Yeah, so that kind of, I think that concluded maybe uh, Eddie's story. Oh, but we didn't we didn't talk about the actual werewolf and shit. No, no, no. I think so that's still getting back to Seth Green's with his. But what happens is when they go back to school, oh. they run into the bullies, mm-hmm. right? Richie and Stanley run into the bullies. Henry winds up like smearing mashed potatoes on Seth Green's glasses. And Seth Green's character winds up smashing the, the tray against henry they all slip all the kids start to laugh and then they cut it out <laughs> and then when seth like makes a little remark and then he turns around and runs into the that teacher and smashes a tray on him and he runs in a cigarette smoke and that yeah. guy yeah that's the cigarette man or the smoking man from the x-files and he tells him look clean this up go to the janitor get a mop so when he goes to the janitor's office which happens to be beverly's dad 
Right. Yeah. They get teased about that way earlier in the film. Yeah, these little girls are like, some people need to get out of the way. Mm-hmm. Some people's dad's <laughs> janitor. I'm like, you little twats. Yeah. Jesus. Yeah, yeah, everybody that was a fucking bully in this movie was instantly, like, super fucking super hostile. dicks. Yeah. Those little kids are dicks. But uh, anyhow, the janitor's not there, so... He goes into the boiler room and is looking for him. And then that's when that werewolf comes out. And he's like, this is not happening. And that werewolf grabs him and it winds up being Pennywise. Mm-hmm. Fucking with him. But he gets away and he runs up. And he's like, it's a werewolf. And everybody starts to laugh at him in the cafeteria. And I think that kind of concludes his portion of it. Because then he's back. Yeah, he's back and on Ben's the toilet. Starts, and it looks like Ben starts putting it together at that point. Because they there's, cut back to the group. There's and he's a funny like, moment. Where he's doing that, mm-hmm. like he's got his his face on the toilet, and then the next scene you see him is like having his face like that while Bill's telling the story. Mm-hmm. You're like, oh, that was a good story, and they're all talking about what they want to be. Mm, oh, that's right, yeah. And if uh, if I'm not mistaken, there's somewhere around that point is where, like, so we get um, the introduction of how Mike got introduced to the group. And from what I understand, I think well, he, he was gets, like the new kid in class. Yeah, his dad like um, collects. I guess during the World War II. Was he a new kid, or was he just the black kid that was in the background in every scene? It could have been Token. Yeah. Uh, I hate to say it like that, but I mean... Especially with the time period it was set, too. And I I think, I mean, it sounds like in the the book there's a little bit more racial subplot. Yeah, there's a lot of that in in the book. A lot of it. So that's, that's not very surprising. No, because there is an encounter coming up soon, but what... Mike is doing is introducing himself. He talks about his dad and the war. Collected all these old photos of Deary. And Deary's got kind of a fucked up history. Yeah, there's like... In 1930, there was an incident. I think at some kind of uh, mill. It exploded. And then the 1900, something happened. And he's like... Yeah, he's like, uh, what I want to know is... How did 253 settlers just suddenly disappear? Apparently something's going on, right? And it kind of alludes to, like, these 30-year gaps mm-hmm. in between, like, 1900, 1930, 1957, 8. Um, but anyhow, the kid winds up getting bullied, too, I think, in the classroom a little bit. A little bit, but then it mostly happens outside when... The bullies, the fucking Henry, yeah. He winds up uh, swiping that photo album... Somebody across the street, like a shop owner, is like, hey, you kids, what are you doing? And uh, Mike winds up getting his book back, takes off, and the bullies chase him all the way back into, like, I don't know, some little construction thing going on. Yeah, where the rest are hanging out. And yeah, they're they all just kind of... Come to the rescue. And... I think they're all talking about maybe their encounters a little bit, too. A little bit, but uh, it hadn't really started to get Not into it Not quite yet. It all yeah. got interrupted by... By the fact that, yeah, Mike and well, the bullies they heard shit now, coming, so they're like, what do we do? Like, rock rocks. war. Yeah. Yeah. And I think in the book, too, it, it talks about the fact that they have that rock war. It, it got played out a little differently, but essentially it, it ended the same way. Mm-hmm. Right? Where the bullies wound up getting Jesus, run off. I mean, they honestly... Fucking Bowers is a fucking psycho. They probably saved his fucking life. Yeah, they told him that uh, we could put you in the hospital. There's six, seven of us. Yeah. And we could put you in the hospital. And he keeps telling them that he's going to kill them all. I'll kill you all. Probably saved his life. Yeah. I thought it was uh, funny a little bit, too, that the girl got hit with the rock. And Ben charged the bully like, he, woo, if, not my girl. Yep, no. Yeah. But then he's like, oh, yep, if you're getting picked on, too, you can be part of us. No big deal. And They get called the Losers Club, actually, by the know, bullies. By the bullies. But I think in the book, they refer to themselves as that. Like, it wasn't the bullies who, I guess, initiated that term. Mm-hmm. 
Man, I'm going to freed it at some point. 1,100 fucking pages. Yeah, that's a lot, man. That's a, that's a lot to eat, but that's probably worth it, you know, yeah. in the long run. But uh, but there's also where they talk about the Lucky Seven because Mike agrees to join them, be a part of their group, and he just so happens to have a camera. And he remembers how he finds that photo, I guess, on his desk, and that's how he remembers how he took that photo and how they mm-hmm. all got together. Yeah, and so they pose for that photo, and that's how they all join. That's how they become one the, the lucky seven. Days of my life. Yeah, that's a pretty good story. His story is pretty solid. But, but then you get Stan. I think that's well, and Stan is doubting. Oh yeah, because you know I should I should mention too that he does show him that photo album. They have that moment. Well, I was going to say that Stan's experience yeah, with Pennywise is kind of also the group experience that Mike brings. Because yeah. he has the photo album. That ties in all this history. they're all looking at it, and they're all like, oh shit, Pennywise. Oh shit, Pennywise. Look, yeah. this clown keeps popping up. Exactly, that's a good point. Um, and then the, the book starts... Pennywise, a dancing clown. And Ben's like, oh shit, that's what it... Yeah, Bill says that. Bill. Yeah, that's okay. There's Bill, Ben, all that shit. Bill, Ben, B. We know. B. B and B. B says... He's like, oh shit, that's why I'm going to Georgie's book. Yeah. And then it flips. And this was one of the scenes that I was really cool. remember. When it goes to the, the old-timey photograph. Yeah, that was really cool. And Pennywise flips through and fucking threatens them and shoves the hand up through. Good. So fucking dope. I love that Stan scene. Stan freaks the fuck out. He's finally like, yeah. You know what I liked about that? And I don't know I if I've ever happening. seen that either. Because he's like, no. And they're all like, yes, yes, yes. <laughs> it's like, who does that? And then he finally is like, yes, yes. Pure encouragement, man. Yeah. Pure encouragement. Those kids were cool, though, man. They stuck to their word. But there's also something that I mentioned is the fact that he even went back all the way to the 1700s, mm-hmm. Pennywise, the dancing clown. At least. Yeah, at least that far back that we know. But I was like, that's interesting, too. This has been going on for 200 plus years. From that point on with the kids, most of their storyline centers around them then deciding they have to fucking kill it. Yeah, so how that gets to the point is Stan gets the phone call. He and his wife are watching Perfect Strangers with Belky. <laughs> and his wife talks about getting a letter from her mom. Her mom wants to be a grandma. And he's like, oh, he's like, your mom didn't know I was a sex crave maniac? <laughs> you know, whatever. But he winds up getting the phone call, and it fucking switches him on. And he's kind of like, yeah, I remember. He's like, they talk about the agreement, the pact, the promise. And after he gets a phone call, he goes upstairs and starts to run bathwater. And during that sequence, it cues them back to where Stan has his freak out moment. And um, I think Seth Green, his mom has like these silver earrings, and that's what they're going to use because they have a slingshot test for everybody. And it winds up being Beverly she can shoot. And Bill has like his breakdown towards the end of that last scene. Oh, man. I I need you guys to help me kill it. It killed Georgie, all this. Yeah, he's like, bastard. Mm -hmm. Yeah. He does have an emotional moment a couple times. Yeah. But But it it helps bond the group. You find, yeah, Beverly's a fucking. She's an ace. 10 for 10. Dead eye. Sure. It's funny because Ben was like, ladies first. Yeah. <laughs> and like, it looks like I don't have to shoot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but yeah, then uh, we find out about the silver earrings that uh, Richie's mom had, Seth Green. And they're going to use it as like stones. Everybody knows silver well, hurts after, it. And after comparing all their stories, they very smartly figure out sort of its kind modus of operandi. Yeah, they're going after kids' fears. They put it together. And it's kind of all imagination-based. Yeah. And that plays a big part. Even Bill says, or somebody says uh, a line where, like, adults stop believing 
and that's why they're preying on the kids' fear. Mm-hmm. And he even tells the kids, well, that's later on. I shouldn't say it right now. That's later on. There's a scene about tastes. They head down to the sewers. They've got their plan all together. Yeah. Ooh, what a plan it is. And the bullies find out because they're hiding out. The bullies are watching. They're they have other follow. plans. They have other plans. They're not getting out. The group's not getting out is what they say. They have to split up to do yeah. so. One kid has to stay behind and the other two are going after the kids. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Of course, the one that gets sent off by himself. doesn't end well for him. There's a light that kind of is coming through like the pipes or that, that tunnel. Mm-hmm. And when it finally does, it gets the kid and you see this bright flash and then it cues back to the bullies in the group. And the group goes down some kind of pipe with a ladder going down. And while they're down there, they find another prop, like maybe, um, I don't know, like it was a, just like, a It was one of the puffballs. Yeah, puffball. Yeah, yeah. They're like, we're getting closer. Which way's Deary? Mm-hmm. And that's the way they're going. Oh, shit. What essentially happens is Stan gets snatched up out of the group. He's the last one in the back of the pack because he's always, he's always apprehensive. He doesn't really want to do it. Henry and Belch, the kid always burps. Mm-hmm. They scoop him up. They threaten him with the blade. And they're like, all right, you're the first one. You're the first one that's going to die. But what happens is that light comes back through the tunnels and it snatches up Belch. That was another part I remembered with him getting folded in half and pulled through the fucking. You're like, what the fuck just happened? That was some X-Files shit right there yeah. for real. And then the light comes back again. And what happens, well, yeah, when that light comes back, Stan takes his ass up out of there. And Bowers, Bowers stays behind. Yep. Fucking white. He was in there for five seconds. Wig. His hair turned white. That <laughs> fucking fright wig. That was awesome. What I was thinking that whole time, too, is like, it's funny that we just did Candyman, where the kid talks about that guy going into the bathroom and his hair mm-hmm. turning white after five seconds. <laughs> Happened to Bowers. But then the light kind of chases Stan back into the group because the group gets into the center, maybe, of that tunnel mm-hmm. or the sewer complex. And I was just expecting the host to come down. just Yeah. <laughs> Snatching them up. Yeah. It would have been perfect. It the sewers again. Yeah. But what they wind up doing is like holding hands, forming a circle. And then you have another alien type of moment, a slow sequence with this light. Almost like a UFO would hover over them, but it's a light with like rem- abs. I was going to say, it reminded <laughs> me of like the underside of a turtle. Yeah. That's kind of what it looked like too. Which is interesting because a, a turtle does play a big part in the book. Hmm. Big part. I think I mentioned it to you before we were recording. Okay. I don't know if I should mention that. Yeah. But anyhow, it plays a big part. But it kind of looked like the underside of a turtle. I kind of didn't get that part. It's that, weird. Them coming together, fucking, so it just sort over. I don't know. But then it starts fucking trying to fuck with them one by one. Yeah. Because then that fog comes up. And they form the circle again with the hands... And then that's when each one of their individual fears starts to play out in the tunnel. But they're all calling each other on it like, hey, it's just... No, it's cool. It's not happening. Yeah, even Seth Green, like Richie's get the, the werewolf hands on his back. I like that. Yeah. And the hands got like... <laughs> sort of. Nope, never mind. But this is the kid, once again, who's fucking up. Stan, he starts saying his little... It's lucky it wasn't a priest. That, oh, my gosh. And this in the... It's too funny. The single kid that gets fucked up is Stan. Because Stan's saying that little stupid line, and he's rubbing his ear or whatever the fuck he does. And Pennywise is holding his hand and calls him out and lifts him up, takes him over to a wall. God damn it, Stan. Oh, and what's funny is Bev, she winds up, she so happens to drop those earrings, the silver. And I think it's Bill's, like, trying to call out Pennywise. He's like, we're going to kill you. And he's like, 
<laughs> he's like, kid, you're funny. He winds up telling him, he's like, I am the eater of worms and of children. And he, I looks, he said of worlds. I think he said, maybe it was worlds or worms. I, I heard worms. I'm, I don't know. I'm deaf oh, sometimes. I thought it was worlds. And I was like, it would make sense for both ways, like, really. And then of children. Like, yeah. yeah, I don't know. Somebody can fact check I, I would us. list children, then worlds, just so that you'd be building up. Yeah, know, but. it was terrifying, too. He has Stan in that death grip, and he looks at him, and he said, and you're next, and he goes in for that bite, but then <laughs> Eddie has an inhaler. I, I want to mention this real quick. I thought oh, this was so before funny. they went in, right? They have that moment Where with the inhaler. the inhaler. What the fuck was that? <laughs> I know it was a bonding moment. Don't get me wrong. I understand that. So, but I was like, that kid has asthma, and what if he freaks out and all y'all took his hit? Thing I was thinking, I wanted Eddie at the very end to be like, you motherfuckers. It's like, only well, had like, like six we're about hits. To go into, out, we're about to go into a dangerous situation. <laughs> I might start freaking out. I need this shit. Everybody's you taking a hit of his inhaler. None of you need this. And then they, they rub it in. They kind of mock him like, this tastes like battery yeah. acid. I mean, that comes back up. It That's does, but I'm like, God damn, they're mocking him on top of it. And I'm also wondering, so like... But it plays, when, you're right. when you're that age, that when you're when you're a kid that age, and especially when you're hanging out with a group that are doing all sorts of adventurous things like building dams and yeah. running away from the town bully who actually happens to be a fucking psycho. A kid is a psycho. Like, there's probably lots of situations where, like, as a group, like, you're trying to get each other psyched up to oh, do yeah, something. Yeah. So is that something they do every time? Like, do they mm. pass around the fucking inhaler? Like, <laughs> we're going to do this, boys. Like, yeah. Yeah. It's mm. a it's a prelude for things to come in adulthood. Say, and then do <laughs> later on. They weren't even passing the left, were they? I don't think so. They fucked up rotation. An excuse is they were kids. They didn't know better. Right. They Fuck didn't know it. better. Pass the albuterol on the left hand <laughs> side. See, exactly. This is nineteen fifties. They hadn't heard that song yet. They get a pass. Anywho, but I thought that was kind of weird that they had that moment with the inhaler of all things but it comes back because they're like this tastes like battery acid so he's like this is battery acid and it's all imagination based so it starts to fucking melt the size of pennywise's face yeah pennywise is getting fucked up he reaches and yeah you're right the one side of the face is melting and bev so happens to get one of the earrings and she's like please god and she shoots it and she winds up grazing his skull and you see a little bit of light peering right. out of it but what the the next moment's like holy shit, he does like some kind of backflip or somersault back into that drain, and the kids try to reach. I mean, they do get a hold of his hand, but they can't get him out. Mm-hmm. And then they're like, "Well, did he die? Is he dead?" They have Kinda that. Sounds moment. like he did. Yeah, it's like no, no, like, no, 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 no. We got to go find out for sure. Like, no, it sounds like he died to me. Yeah, no, he's definitely <laughs> dead, bro. You guys, so you know, you gotta pick and choose your battles. <laughs> But, um, yeah, from that sequence, you can even kind of hear Pennywise a little bit kind of growl down there. Mm-hmm. But they come back out. They're all marching. Then they make back, the promise. We'll, we'll come back. Right? That's when that promise comes into play. And that's kind of why Stan's character, the adult Stan, too, when Mike is like, you made the promise. He's like, yeah, I, I know. Which, <sighs> to end off the first part, cut back to Stan. He was even the last one to make the promise yeah. in that sequence where they're all like, you know, having that moment again. <sighs> Cut back to adult stands. The wife's wife. all worked up. She wants to come up there and rub his back and his and chest. chest. And... He went and slid his wrists in the bathtub. <sighs> Dude. Yeah, he slid his wrists. He even scribbled the word it on the uh, shower right, wall. That's fucked up. That was fucked up, man. His wife dropped. She has that freak out moment. And that's when I was like, fuck. But that's essentially how that first half ends, I would think. I mean, hour and a half in. 
it seemed anticlimactic to go any further. I yeah. started going further, and I was like, nope, I'm good right now. No, we had talked about how far we went after that. The furthest I went without giving too much away is where they... The next Pennywise scene for me. Yeah, exactly. Oh, well, yeah. Around that one, that that sequence, and then they in the library where they're about to have another you know mm-hmm. scene with him. But that was like, yeah, I need to cut it off now because then I'll be another hour and a half invested in that right. I really don't need to I be right now. No, especially because it's adults. Yeah, and <laughs> and knowing too that the first half of the remake oh, is going to be about the kids. Creepy. Man, I just want to watch the kids. I just want. I like the kids. I like the kids. I like the, the kids cl- scenes. The clowns. The I like, clown enticing kids. Yeah, I like the I like the floating and the kids. <laughs> oh, it's no, so dark. Dirty. Yeah, but. Oh. We had mentioned, or at least I had mentioned, it reminded me a little bit of, of how Found has its moments with the adults, you know, being not the greatest, but the kids being really fucking good. No, here is a hot take. As great as these kids are, kids and Found are better. Yeah, that's a good one. Yeah, I would say they're stronger, yeah. I was um, thinking that when I was watching this. A, yeah, because, I mean, it's another film that involves children. There and... is a hot take. Bam. Hot Sorry. Take. Sorry, It. Sorry, amazing <laughs> child cast of It. The child cast have found. Slice them up. Leave you headless. Damn, yo. Yeah. Boom. Which, dude, so good. That one's so good. But that does conclude our first half of the OG It. So it, it tells all the kids' stories through the adults and how they get the phone call and why they're meeting in the fucking first place. And I'm so excited to watch this new one, too. Like I keep pointing out, you'll have already heard whether I actually enjoyed it or not. But just from like the trailers, thinking about good. the ways that they've already shown that they tie back to this original one seem pretty neat. There's a sequence that I've seen. I haven't seen very many of the, the trailers. Georgie yeah, shit the Georgie sequence looks really good. Skarsgård as Pennywise looks amazing. He's in a show that has to do with werewolves and whatnot. Hemlock Grove, I think it's called. Oh, yeah. I watched the first season of that. I've actually. seen a little bit. I think it has Famke Jensen or Jansen mm-hmm. in it. She's but yeah, it's not a bad show. He does really good. Like he is a good actor. Mm-hmm. We'll see what he how he does. At the beginning, I, I hope he doesn't try to overdo it. Like try to overextend himself. I think he's just going to be a lot more terrifying through and through Pennywise. Yeah, and I'm okay with Curry. that. I'm yeah. quite alright with him being terrifying because he is a terrifying character. Curry's was a little bit playful yeah. and unsettling. From what I've seen, it seems like his is just a little bit more dark. Always dark. Nice. I like that. But um, we'll see. We'll see. You'll know already. So let me ask you this. All right. Okay. Since both of us haven't seen this in quite a while, we talked about the fact that there were certain things we remember, certain things we forgot. For me, it was definitely how bad some of the adult acting is in this first half. But all in all, I was like, I'm glad we watched this, dude. I'm glad oh, that too. this is I out really enjoyed now. this. In fact, not only did I enjoy this, like I usually watch the movie twice before we do this. I even enjoyed it even more the second time through. Likewise, I think the first, well, I can't say think, the first time I was trying to watch it, there was a lot of times where I had to pause it, and it was usually at the start of another character's introduction into the group. And it was typically during the adult scenes of it. I'm like, all right, now's a good time to pause this shit because I'm getting sleepy and I need to go to bed. I was so worried about whether I would still like this movie or not that I knew that I was going to have to reward myself going through it. So before I watched it, I went and bought myself some fucking chocolate cake so nice. I could sit there and munch down on chocolate Chocolate's cake. Chocolate's always good, and especially in cake form. And I, ju- I tried to just eat it whenever the adults were on screen. <laughs> yeah, I know what you mean, man. But another good thing, too, is knowing that going into the second viewing of it, it's like I know what to anticipate with these adults. I can kind of not have to pay attention to it a little bit. Right. Not until it goes into their flashback. 
it's not all bad. No, it's not. But it feels it doesn't like feel like we we had mentioned it feels it, like it is strictly it feels for television like something at times. Else, yeah, it feels like something else that's not really like, what I wanted soap to see. Soap opera-ish, but not mm-hmm. quite. But yeah, like I said, the, the children's the sequences are really good. But maybe the second half will redeem itself a little bit too. You know, once we get once to it, they're all I will together, I'm it. curious yeah. about how it's going to go because mm-hmm. I remember the second half even less than the first half. Honestly, me too. I don't remember how it ends. So we'll get there when the movies get there. That Until doesn't then, mean that the you know the rest of our audience watch it, watch the whole thing. Yeah. But you know, if for you us, I mean, I'm eventually going to watch it too. We're eventually going to watch it. But yeah, in the meantime. Until then, we hope you keep listening to us. And to keep listening to us, you can follow us on SoundCloud, iTunes, Stitcher, TunedIn, Google Play, all your, you know, normal listening outlets. Follow us on Facebook, Fried Squirms, Twitter, at Fried Squirms, Instagram, Fried Squirms Podcast. Podcast yeah. Email us, squirmcast at gmail.com. We're still there. And as always, there's our website as well, www.friedsquirms.com. Yeah, so there's several ways to contact us, listen to us, and check out our content. So we're open to feedback. I do want to mention, you know, we talked about some of our listeners. I went back and listened to some more tracks of, uh, they're actually called Wind Up Dead. Oh, right, right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So there's a couple of tracks, man, I really dig a lot. Guys keep up the good work. Um, like I said, there are another group that's down in Houston that is, they got a shit show with the hurricanes down there, man. So hopefully yeah, all those guys are sucks. doing well. Oh, man. We're all we, dealing with some God, we're all Mother Nature right now. Jesus. Fuck you, Earth. Why? Yeah. Anyway. Rain, we need you. <laughs> Come here, Rain. Yeah, but uh, no, I, like I said, we're going to see a hopefully great flick. Yeah, that's going to be a lot of fun. I'm looking dude. forward to seeing how that turns out for us, too. Yeah, it's going to be too. fun, dude. It's going to be a lot of fun. Yeah, um, um, we don't really have... Oh, well, I don't know if we have anything planned in the meantime. We've got some it, ideas, of course, but... I mean, I think next we'll try to redo, right? Yeah, we talked about that. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, maybe we should do that. Let's do the redo next. I'm, I'm okay with that. That sounds good. That sounds good. So let's announce it. If yeah, we should announce it, because yeah, I don't so. think we did prior to us trying to do it. No, uh, so next we'll be doing House of a Thousand Corpses. Yes. Uh, we're really excited to do that. Yes. We got a little bit too excited last time. Yes, we had too much of a good time. I had a great time. Wow. It was just too good to record. Just too good to record, people. We would have blown your minds. It would have just been swimming I'm, or floating. Floating down? We all float down here. Yeah. And with that, I'm Tyler. I'm Danny. Fried Squirms out. Out. <laughs>